So we all remember fairy tales. Favorite, favorite fairy tale? Cinderella, Humpty Dumpty, you know. My favorite movie fairy tale is Princess Bride. Yeah. Prepare to die. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love that. I've watched it two or three times. And then the, and then the Pope is saying marriage. <laughs> He's talking about marriage. So when you were a child, your, your parents probably read you bedtime stories or told you bedtime stories with a fairy tale. And often in, in Christian families, there was a, a fairy tale that was read, and then, okay, it's time to go to sleep now, and then what did you do next? Did you pray? Did your prayers? So I don't know whether your parents prayed for you or whether you prayed. Uh, maybe you knelt by the, down by the bed to pray. So how old were you when you stopped believing in fairy tales? You'd kind of have to guess, wouldn't you? So when you stopped believing fairy tales, did that prayer, did that belief in God go with that? For some people. It's kind of like a fairy tale. It's something you believe when you're a little kid, but then you grow up and you don't really believe that anymore. I read a statistic a few days ago where there's a group of people in America called nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S. And nuns are people who once believed in God, once went to church, but now have disassociated themselves with church. In 1953... I was nine years old. And in 1953, 70% of Americans identified themselves as Protestants. 70%. In 2018, 35% of Americans identified themselves as Protestants. I didn't get an exact figure on this, but uh, if you, you know, immigration is part of that. Some people came from other countries that don't believe in Jesus, they don't have the Christian faith. But it'd be somewhere around 100 million people. Now think about that. 100 million people difference in terms of those, those kinds of percentages. So I'm going to put on the screen this morning several different kinds of, uh, of people that might be in that category. If you put those up there for me, the first one. There are people who are devoted... That might describe many of you in this room. You have faith in God. Uh, you haven't budged and you won't budge. You believe what you believe and it's, it's solid to you. The next one is disappointed with God. This would be people like I just described perhaps where at one time you believed in God, at one time you had some kind of a faith in God, but at some place along the line he disappointed you. He didn't answer a prayer or something happened to you. And you became disappointed with God, so you no longer, you might not be an atheist, but you no longer believe in God. It's not part of your life. And then some have doubts about God. Some, you know, there are, there are open doubters and there are secret doubters. Open doubters just say, I don't know if I believe that stuff anymore. They wouldn't say, I don't believe in any God, I'm not an atheist. If you think about it, that's quite a step to say you're an atheist, if you think through the implications of that. But some people say, no, I, 
I, I believe once, but I, I doubt now. They're secret doubters, and secret doubters are people who keep their mouth shut. They might be in church every week, but they doubt. I don't know if I believe that or not. Or you don't believe some aspect of what would be talked about. And then the last category is you've decided you, want, you don't want to believe in God. And again, you might not be an atheist. Not very many people really are atheists, but you say, oh, no, I don't believe in God. They don't think through the implications, but it's just, I don't, I don't, believe, in, I don't believe in God. So I'm going to do a little different thing this morning. I thought it would be good for Easter for all of us. Uh, I want to identify some small g gods that people stop believing in. They might think it was a big G God, but it's really a small G God that they stopped believing in. The first, the first one is a secret service agent God. Now, you know what secret service agents do, right? They protect the president or whoever they're supposed to, supposed to protect. But sometimes, you know, the idea is that Nothing bad will happen to good people. The secret service God will protect you from bad things. Okay? So the secret service, though, sometimes, what happened to Kennedy? They got through. What happened to Lincoln, you know, and so forth? Reagan wasn't killed, but he got shot. Uh, I, I used to go up and spend a little bit of time with, with Judy Martz when she was the governor. I'd fly up on a Tuesday, and, and uh, I'd meet with her, and another person was always there. But I found out in our conversations, you know, I, I had assumptions about, not the Secret Service, but about state police or somebody protecting the governor, but I discovered that, that uh, she lived in this, it's called the governor's mansion. It's not really a mansion, it's just a big house. But she was there by herself because her husband lived in Butte, and she lived in just a small portion of that house, and the only security she had was one highway patrol guy, one. I mean, one, any time. So when he was off duty, she had no protection. Sometimes people feel that way about God. It's like something happened to me and God dozed off or God wasn't paying attention. Ginger and I talked to a woman recently that... Hello. Maybe we could... Could somebody close that door, please? Thank you. Uh... Ginger and I were talking to a woman recently who we've known for a number of years. She went to Faith Chapel, and she and her husband were there almost every weekend. And we saw her the other day, and she told me that her husband had left her and now has an, another woman. And so we, we talked for a little while, and, and so I, I asked her in the course of that conversation, I said, do you still go to church? And she physically reacted to that. It was like she got this look on her face and, and kind of stepped back like this. She didn't say anything, but I could tell by her physical reaction she was mad at God. God disappointed her because something bad happened to her. Faith Chapel went through a, a period of huge growth for about a five-year period of time in the in the late 80s and early 90s. And it was mostly from people who had left a church because they were taught 
that God would protect them from everything and something happened and they got disillusioned, left that church and came to Faith Chapel. Where did we get the idea that nothing good hap- nothing bad happens to good people? And I just want to say that God doesn't exist. I don't believe in that God either. It's okay not to believe in that God. You know, the Christianity started with a pretty, pretty horrible event, the cross. And in the early centuries of the church, Christians were persecuted and killed and horrible things happened to them. Just the other day, a, a missionary in Peru was shot. In Indonesia today, thousands of people are being killed for their faith in Christ. Jesus promised we'd have trouble. Notice John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that, you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That's a promise a lot of people don't want to believe. In this, it's a promise, though. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. In other words, there's something beyond this. The question is not whether we will have trouble. The question is how will we respond to trouble? We can walk through it alone or we can walk through it with God. James 1, 1, verses 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. The assumption is you do. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So I I just want to say to you, there may be some people here Maybe you don't usually come to church, or maybe you come to church every week, but you're disappointed in God. This happened to me, and I, I don't know if I believe He's at work in my life anymore. I can identify with that. There was about a, almost a 10-year period of time when I, in the ministry, when I was a pastor, where all kinds of things were happening, and I, I didn't ever stop believing in God, but I, I was confused, and I thought, Lord... What in the world is happening here? And as I went through that and got past it, I, as, as this verse promises, I learned some things about myself. I learned some things about other people. Most of it was a lack of wisdom on my part or a lack of wisdom on somebody else's part. Secret service God doesn't exist. God is not a bridge over troubled waters. Remember that song? He's not a bridge over troubled waters. He's one who walks with you through the troubled waters, if you'll allow him to. So if you've been disappointed, God said, ah, I don't believe in God anymore because he disappointed me. I want to just say that God, that secret service God that you believed in doesn't exist. You could, it's okay to leave that God behind. In times of trouble or confusion, run to God, not away from God. If you've stepped back or you've turned your back, then step back in and hang out with people who will teach you about God and how He can help you in times of trouble. The second kind of God that people walk away from, I'll call the vending machine God. Now, or that maybe you might you might call it the rich uncle God. Uh, you know how vending machines work, right? I remember when you put a Put a diamond vending machine and you get a Coke out. I'm old. <laughs> now, now, you know, if you, if you go to a motel, 
costs a buck and a half to get something out of there. So vending machine, what do you do? You take your six quarters, or you can even put a five in there now and get changed, but you take, put your six quarters in there, and then you look, what do you want? There's the Diet Pepsi. You always have to get Diet Pepsi first. I'll tell you why in a minute. Get Diet Pepsi, so you push D3, and the Diet Pepsi comes out. Get out six more quarters, put it in the machine. Peanut M&M's, A7, it comes out. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever put money in the vending machine and nothing came out? What do you do? <laughs> Shake it, hit it, kick it, cuss at it. You can do any number of things. It didn't work. That's the way some people are about God. I did everything I was supposed to do and this happened to me. Or, I asked for this and it didn't happen. What's up with that? Why should I even pray? The vending machine God doesn't exist either. I, I followed the vending machine God when I was a little boy for a while. I was in the eighth grade and I was trying to figure out all this God stuff. My parents prayed, my parents took me to church. And I always believed that Jesus died for my sins. I always believed that. I wasn't a Christian, but I believed the story about Jesus. I was in the eighth grade standing on a folding chair in a gymnasium, and a volleyball game was going on, and I was the scorekeeper. This sounds so crazy, but you know, I got my chalk in the chalkboard, and somebody makes a point, and I put a mark on the board. While I was doing that, while I was keeping score, I was keeping score in another realm. God, if you exist, then this team will make the next point. Well, I got about 50-50. <laughs> now, as silly as that sounds, I bet you've had some experiences that were kind of similar to that, maybe when you were a kid. If you really exist, then this will happen. I thought about one of my granddaughters. She loves winter. She, she would be happy if it never got above 60 degrees. I hate it. I would be happy if it never got below 60 degrees. So, so she's at home praying, Lord, Lord, could we have below 60 today? And I'm at home praying, Lord, could we please have above 60 today? <laughs> Who's God going to listen to? Let's, let's just imagine this. Let's imagine, I know this is a stretch for you, Victor, but you, you and Allie are not married yet, and you got your eye on Allie, but he's also got his eye on Allie. <laughs> and Grove's got his eye on Allie. And they go home every night and pray, oh, Lord, could I please have Allie? <laughs> and you're praying, Lord, could I please have Allie? Yeah. And then you went and married her. So what about those guys? Well, I prayed and I asked, and God didn't answer my prayers. Now, this is not true about Allie. I should have picked somebody else. But 
I know a lot of people who say, Lord, I've got this woman. Why did you give me this woman? I want to get rid of her. You answered my prayer and I didn't, I don't want her. I don't want her anymore. You get the idea. There was a movie, I don't remember the name of the movie, where God an answered everybody's prayer and, and how confusing it became. It was confusing all the time. You know, it's, it's, prayer is mostly about us lining up with His will, not asking Him to line up with ours. I remember when I was first a charismatic, people used to make fun of the Lord's Prayer because it says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Gosh, Jesus taught us to pray that way, and we made fun of it. But we believe for what we believe. I believe, and it'll happen. No. You pray, you believe, but you want to line up with His will, not have Him line up with yours. Your life will go a lot better. I, uh, I think about parents. We have a Heavenly Father. We have earthly fathers. Can you imagine, Victor, giving Him everything He wants? Oh, man, what a mess it would be. You give your kids anything they want? Of course not. Of course not. Why? Because you know what is best for them. So we've got this God in heaven who's got, I'll, I'll put it this way, he's got a great big brain. He's omniscient. He knows a lot more than we know. I would rather trust his will than my will. So th this vending machine God doesn't exist. I ask and He gives. Sometimes people pick that up along the way. Maybe somebody taught them that. That God doesn't exist. So if you don't believe in the vending machine God, I'm with you. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Notice the condition of that. It says, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, and you ask. In other words, you hang out with Jesus. You talk to Him. You be in His Word. You pray. You try to do your best to line your, your, your life up to God's will, and you'll be thinking like He wants you to think and asking for the things He wants you to ask for. You'll be seeking His will, not your own. Then there's the boyfriend God or the girlfriend God or the touchy-feely God or the camp, the camp moment God, you might want to call this one. When Ginger and I first got married, uh, we were sitting, actually we weren't married yet, we were sitting outside of her house in my Volkswagen, bug. And this, this is going to sound really silly, but <clears throat> Ginger wasn't a Christian yet. And uh, her definition of love wasn't what it, what it is now, okay? So somehow we got on the subject of butterflies because Ginger got butterflies around me. How could she help it? I mean, gosh. <laughs> so she got butterflies around me. And uh, so she said to me, she says, well, what if I don't get butterflies anymore after a while? You know, would I still want to be married to you? 
Now, that's the way the world thinks about love, right? So if your boyfriend or girlfriend, girlfriend is somebody who's like, oh, man, I get butterflies. Isn't this awesome? But then as you grow and you mature, you don't get butterflies all the time, do you? Mary, you get butterflies every time you see Wally? I, I didn't think so. <laughs> I walk in the house every night, Ginger's, oh, I got a butterfly. No. Uh-uh. No. That's the way people view God's presence. I feel His presence. But if you don't feel something, then He's not there. Now, those of you who are more mature would think, well, that's kind of nuts, but no, that's the way people think, and sometimes that's the way they're taught. Turn on Christian television, and you will always hear people say, I feel His presence. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you do. Sometimes I feel His presence too. But what about when I don't feel His presence? He's still there. And if you don't live that way, then when you go through trouble, when you go through... I mean, think about, think about soldiers on the battlefield. You think they feel His presence? Somebody's plane is going down. You think they feel His presence? Maybe, maybe not. When you go through challenging and difficult times... There are lots of times when I haven't felt His presence. I wanted to, but I didn't. But that doesn't change the fact that He's there. He said, I will be with you always. I've had some times in my life, I'm not making fun of feeling God's presence. Uh, I've had times in my life during a worship service. Once I remember, I had never thought in terms of loving God, and I remember once playing a worship album at home. I was all by myself. And it was just the Hallelujah Chorus. And I started singing that. I closed my eyes and started singing that. Pretty soon I was on my face on the floor crying. I was overwhelmed by God's presence. But because you don't feel that, God is no less present. I've been in churches where they go to church every night of the week. Why? because they want to feel God's presence. They're so busy going to church, they don't have time to be a Christian. That's why we live by what we know. Paul says in Romans 8, 28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. We know. We know. Not we feel, we know. You have to hang on to that. We live by what we know, not by what we feel. Because your emotions are going to change all the time. I love this passage. You all, you, probably most of you would recognize it. Who shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now think about God's presence, feeling God's presence when I read this list. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
listen, all these things where you're not going to feel God's presence. You might sometimes. There have been times when I've been in trouble and I've, I've felt His presence, He overwhelmed me with His presence, but certainly not all the time. So if you stopped believing in this boyfriend, God, that's okay, I'm with you. And then there's the check your brain at the door, God. A lot of students now go to college and some teacher comes along and says, you believe that book? Let me tell you about this or let me tell you about that. And they'll go to the Old Testament, some, some passages of Scripture that I, I could explain, but they don't explain that way. And it's like, for example... I think we're through this now, but a few years ago we went through this thing in the evangelical church where if you believed, if you believed in the old earth instead of the young earth, in other words, you didn't believe that the earth was created literally in six days. So six days for creation, period. If you didn't believe that, then you didn't believe in any of the Bible. Baloney. Baloney. The Bible and science are not opposed to each other. We don't know whether God, whether it's talking figuratively in terms of eons or what it was. So, so you bring your kid up to say, no, God created the earth in six days, and then a geologist comes along and says, we have all these dinosaurs, we have all these things. Well, God could have created a mold. Yeah, he could have. But what happens in a kid's mind with that kind of stuff? They start questioning God. God gave us a brain and He intended for us to use it. It's okay. It's not anti-God to use your brain. And then there's the infallible spokesman God. Do you hear God? Some people don't think you can. I think you can. I think you can hear the Lord. But it's more of an art than a science. So my, my favorite one is, in 1988, actually it was in 1987, this book came out called 88 Reasons God is Coming, Jesus is Coming in 88. Everybody was, oh, Jesus is coming next year. Jesus is coming next year. Hallelujah, Jesus is coming next year. And I, I taught some series, you know, that I hoped would address some of that. And, and it's amazing to me how many people believe anything. Because somebody says, thus says the Lord. I've been in meetings where somebody would say, God told me we're supposed to do this. End of conversation. Maybe there's 15 people in the room and one person said that and everybody else, God didn't tell me that. We don't hear God perfectly, do we? We don't hear Him perfectly. I had a woman tell me one time in a counseling session, she was talking to me about trouble she was having in relationships, found out she was committing adultery. I said, really, are you a follower of Jesus? And she said, yes. I said, well, how do you reconcile those two things? She said, God told me to. <laughs> really? <laughs> so my point is, oftentimes, one of the irritations for me, and if you're thinking about any, any leader, there will be this significant leader someplace, and everybody, whoo, I've got to get to them to be prayed for. 
Or if they speak, then I'm going to listen. That's, that's the infallible spokesman, God. Nobody is infallible. Anything that I would say, anything that anyone would say to you, you'd want to think about that, pray about that, you'd want to look at the Scriptures and make sure that you're not just listening to a person. I, I had a guy tell me one time that uh, he wrote me a letter. I, I think I mentioned, might have mentioned this to you. He wrote me a letter and said, if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're going to die. God told him that I was going to die. I wrinkled up the letter, threw it in the trash, and said, I'll, I'll take my chances on God. Here I am, <laughs> you know. We don't believe just anything. So here's the point. The last blank there, or the last statement there is, come back to the faith of your childhood, but not to your childhood faith. You know what I mean by that. There may be some people here this morning, in one of these areas maybe struck a chord with you. You began to doubt or wonder about God on the basis of one or more of these things. And I just want to give you permission today to say, I don't believe in those, kind, those gods either. That's not the God that we worship. That's not, the, that's not the Christian God. That's not the God of Jesus that we teach. Come back to Him. Sometimes when people are thinking about coming back to God, they're ashamed to admit that they believed something or that they didn't believe something. How could I come back to God? Kind of ashamed to admit it. Or maybe somebody would be hesitant to come back to God because they would have to admit that they're wrong. That's hard to do when you've been staunch about something. I was wrong. But humility opens up the door to Jesus. I always think about when somebody's, somebody's returning to God, it's like somebody has to make the first move. We've talked recently in, in recent weeks about Jesus made the first move. You know how I mean this. Jesus took a long journey, not just in distance, but in terms of what he faced from heaven to the cross. And he asks us to take one step. That's how it begins. It doesn't all change in a minute, but he just asks us to take one step and then things will begin to change. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment, if you would, please. And if there's somebody here this morning who you'd, you'd say, I'm coming back to God today. Maybe you walked with him once and, and you walked away, or you've had all these doubts and questions and wonderings about God, and maybe you got, got some thinking wrong. You know, that's okay. But today you're saying, I'm, I'm coming back to God. I'd like for you just while everybody else's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed, would you just look up at me if that's you? Yeah, I see you. Yeah, I see you too. Amen. Maybe there's somebody that's never received Jesus for the first time. You'd like to say today, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm, 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 I want to give my life to Jesus. It's not just what I believe, but I'm going to begin to live for Him. 
the big difference between saying you believe in John 3.16 and actually committing your life to Christ. You want to commit your life to Christ today. You just look up at me. Just keep looking at me until I can make eye contact with you. Everybody look up up in, in just a second. Now here's what here's what we're gonna do. <clears throat> I I uh, if you were baptized as a baby and you've received Jesus and you haven't been baptized since you received Jesus, I want you to consider being baptized today. Now you might say, Well, I didn't bring any clothes, and gosh, I'm not prepared for that. Oh, we did. We have shorts, we have t-shirts, we have robe. So if you want, the Bible says repent and be baptized. You change your mind about God and then you're baptized. It's a, it's a signal that I have believed now. You, you couldn't do that when you were a baby. You didn't know. Baptism isn't some magic wand. Baby, and now you got baptized, now you're saved. No, it's, that's not biblical. Yes, so we repent and we're baptized. So if you'd like to be baptized today, I'm going to give you some instructions in a minute. Or if you've received Jesus recently, maybe not recently, but you've never been baptized since you received Jesus, uh, we'd like for you to be baptized today. Well, I didn't prepare. I didn't bring any clothes or anything. Well, we have clothes and we have a towel and everything. So so I, I don't know if there's anybody here like that or not, but if you, if you want to be baptized today, the Holy Spirit's just saying to you, I want to be baptized today. Would you, would you just lift up your hand and... Okay? Bobby? Anybody else? There's none more. All right. Anybody else? Okay, Bobby, and I, I'm sorry, I don't know your name, but would you go stand in the doorway right over there? Just get up and go over there, and somebody's going to take you back in the back and, and take you to a room where you can change your clothes. And then in a few minutes, after we worship a little bit, we're going to celebrate with you. Just go ahead and uh, celebrate with you as you're, as you're being baptized in water. So why don't you stand, and if somebody changes their mind, head for that door right now when we stand up, okay? And let's worship the Lord.